0: Welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex
1: Retweet
2: Hello everybody, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. I'm your host, the current reigning, 10-time <laughs> record breaking Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat time, Scott McLeod. Didn't take me more than 30 seconds to get that in. This is a monumentous occasion. I am here hosting this latest episode on Death Match Wrestling, which is quite fine because half the panel wants to kill me right now. <laughs> but before we get in and meet this lovely panel, well, lovely is a bit stretching it a little bit, be sure you follow us on all four social media Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are there at Suplex Retreat. You can follow us on all good Andrew's podcasting and sites Anchor, iTunes, Spotify. And also on the same stage, you can find our Suplex Retweet Extra show, featuring some great content on Raw, SmackDown, New Japan, AEW, and the best show, Saturday Draft Live, which has followed my trajectory to the top of the SSR draft table. And you can find all the links to that on our lovely website, SuplexRetweet.com. Now, with all my hot dogging and grandstanding out the way, let's meet with <laughs> so, Currently sitting second in the SSR draft. Uh, it's a position he's used to because in our mother's eyes he's been second for about 20-odd years It's <laughs> my brother Ross
3: McLeod <laughs> Oh, I mean when you're unemployed, still living at home, no future, I mean mum's favourite It's the only thing you've really got to cling onto at the minute, isn't it? So
2: that and my championship, thank you yes. <laughs> So, next. I'm sorry, what just happened? <laughs> I'm
3: hot and i, I, meant, Hockney, I meant through, through the show. I mean, Phil Hockney's a bit strong, Jesus. <laughs> Did you hear him? <laughs> as long as he didn't go, baby, we're completely oh fine. God, no, I was yeah, because that. that was the only thing that was
1: best.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, don't tell me you wouldn't do the same thing. Next up, a man who survived being killed by ATM last year. Sally didn't finish the job. Like, you can think of a list of people who would rather smash this man over the head with a set of light tubes, his fiancee right at the top of that list, with Guy and Eric not far behind, it is Stephen Wilson. I
4: was bored to death listening to your intros there Scott, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that's coming for him.
2: Well this is, me. This is my way of getting him back to saying I look like I got thrown to a bloody pixel of this
4: pod on the, on the <laughs> elimination chamber. look like a game. man that humps the bum in mini golf course holes. But
3: that's <laughs> <laughs> that's <not laughs> Who told you who hit you with that part? Because that doesn't come for you. (laughs) (laughs) I've done done.
4: done what I tell everybody else I'm doing, a recycling (laughs) pattern. Next (laughs) up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing okay before we went off.
2: Anyway, I'm trying to move on here. Next up, a man who has the audacity to claim that Dakota Kai is somehow better than Tegan Knox, and how I let him continue to be my co-host on East Meets West, I don't know. Hey, it's Graham McRobbie. It's all about King Kota, just because the rest of these are all wrong.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Kota.
0: Uh, well Uh Well, oh, the only one that I'm associated with is my natural born enemy. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's I mean, not exactly
3: who you want on your side, to be honest. I mean, you're... Well, as long as he's... I'm natural an born enemy. I don't give you much thought, to be honest with you. But
4: purely because <laughs> he wants to beat his brother, wealth from them between us in the draft.
3: <laughs> Ooh, friends!
4: <laughs> I have never
2: once brought a briefcase to this podcast.
3: Oh. Yet. yet. Ironic that the briefcase wanker's been cashed in on twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please tell me Laura's waiting outside the door. <laughs> well... Uh,
1: <laughs> Scott had a wee check of the women's toilets before he came in here. <laughs> you can get done for that! <laughs> I think I think you heard the bell speak more to him than get abstent to jail.
2: <laughs> and the man you just heard there, our, EV, our EP, a uh, man who Jimmy Havoc once tried to use for target practice in the garage with a staple gun, and while we're talking about death matches if this is a ringing answer It's so loud you could probably wake the dead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Although right now, I am recovering from the
2: cold, not COVID-19, just the cold. But you've been quarantined over in the corner just in case. (laughs) We're stuck in this podcast for 14 days now. Yeah. Masks have been distributed to everybody on the pan.
1: Oh, I couldn't really (laughs) pick the worst day to be stranded with two weeks (laughs) in. This is literally the worst.
2: Apart from your grand, though. <laughs> yes! You're free. Not so bite me. Well, if we're, if we're finished taking shots at each other, let's delve into the actual topic at hand here, and that is deathmatch wrestling. And well, so I first talk about the phrase deathmatch wrestling because we've been exposed to the term hardcore wrestling. We've mm-hmm. got to with like, the term extreme rules. Mm-hmm. But the term deathmatch wrestling is something completely different entirely. I think people have described it as a niche within a
3: niche. Yeah, um, I think the perfect example of it was Kevin on uh, How To Wrestling. They did an episode on Jimmy Havoc, who we'll probably talk about quite a bit on this podcast, and they said, you know, if you see an indie show or a WWE show with hardcore match advertised, it's like maybe a table spot, a weekendo stick, a chair shot over the head, and you're like, oh, I'm happy, that's a, a house show hardcore match, you know what I mean? Death matches—you are at the very least expecting a table to go on fire. You know, if <laughs> you see, you know, the likes. Of, we, we talked before. You know, we went to the garage and saw a death match between Mikey Whiplash and Jimmy Havoc. You know, it's not just the wrestlers that get it. You know, Quacko get threatened. Do you, do you want a staple? Like, no, no. <laughs> you know, it is. It's a niche when a niche. It's like, you know, we talked about, you know, WWE got extreme rules and all that. I don't think corporate companies can really do it. It's more a an indie thing and that's not me trying to be, you know, oh smarky smarky. It is a lot of
1: T V networks Yeah, yeah. T V
3: networks and yeah, shareholders yeah, it, they, networks and and shareholder, they don't really go for it. And the fact that you don't see it on T V as often and it goes that level above to you know, the hardcore matches you can in WWE is why it's such a niche and why it has such a big following, I think.
2: Yeah, even when WWE was TV 14, there was still a limit on how violent they could truly get. And Stephen, we talked about like the same things you expect for a deathmatch, rather than like it's kind of weird when you go to see a deathmatch and the minimum expectation you're seeing, you're thinking of seeing is
4: somebody's got to be put through glass or bloody light tubes. Yeah, there was that point during the series that Ross kind of mentioned that we saw bits of of the Mikey Whiplash Invitational where he was pretty much, you would go there and you're like, hey, what's he going to do now? What's he mm-hmm. going to do now? I mean, he's won. When they had that match we asked me Faith, what was the point? What was the weapon that he used? It was kind of like a spider web. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like a table barbed wire. Yeah, which is weird. But you do have that expectation, like you kinda hear they being announced for the deathmatch, and you're like, right, cool. We're gonna see a million and one grapple holds at the same one. Yes. No, we're not seeing that. Somebody's gonna get put for a flaming table. Yeah. Somebody's gonna get put for some. I actually remember was it at the ECW One Night Stand where they, was it was a Ray set up the flaming table. and mm-hmm. didn't use the flaming table.
3: Yeah. No, uh it was Wyatt the ECW why? Originals. Just thought, that? No, they set you? the table on fire and it was just so awkward it's the visual of Bray that uh, but they're not in front of the table the table's just sort of off to the side like. <laughs> are we going to no just don't look, smile yeah. and wave smile and wave don't look at it <laughs> they used
4: it actually at on the one night stand the first yes. one night stand they, they put used? Tommy Dreamer through it
3: Tommy Dreamer oh, yeah
4: oh, beautiful thank God. Know. I mean, there are certain people who don't
2: like the idea of Dowie being PG, mm. I and mean, what a way to rile them up, like promising them a flaming table, and then you don't use it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but, just such a weird visual.
2: I know, and Grant, we talk about the expectations of the match itself, but I think some people have certain expectations or, like, perceptions of the type of people who would volunteer to be in these type of matches, I think, in people's eyes, you think uh, some you have to be a particular have a particular pain threshold or be slightly mental to say, aye, ah, I'll get put through a bunch of light tubes and some thumbtacks. Oh yeah, they always kind of associate it with guys that are just a little bit more unhinged than
0: the rest that mm. you're going back to your old school Cactus Jacks. So mm. Things like that to your modern day Jimmy Havocs and Jimmy Lloyd and Nick Gage. Mm. MDK. <laughs> I'd put
2: that in. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not a, like, thing that's happened, like, I think the most famous examples we'll talk about were kind of things from, like, the 90s in Japan and coming out of the US, but it's kind of a thing that in some form that's been around for a while, like, back in the territory days, you had certain wrestlers, like, Abdul the Butcher, the original Sheik, uh, Bruiser Brody, who were known for being that little bit more wild, I think, mm-hmm. when you think of back in the old days, the old school, like, wrestling, like, territories, these guys, well, to go that bit more violent, it immediately made them stand out, and... For some people are actually, fans were all legit scared of these guys whenever they heard
4: so, Roser Brody's coming to the territory, people would be legit afraid when he came near them. Well, if you say Abdullah the Butcher's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that man's dead. dead. See if you examine it now. Oh, oh, oh my God. Something else, you know, it's just like, dead, dead, yeah. dead,
2: dead, dead. Like,
4: whoa.
2: I know, I mean, I thought about like the mentality of certain death mad fiddlers. A man who willingly for years let himself be cut open with a fork. Like... <laughs> That's not just a little bit different. Like you said, that is just full on mental. And like we talk about AEW nowadays, they do these kind of lights out matches for us. But lights out matches kind of go back to the old days. That was the kind of thing where the idea of this match is going to be so violent, where we're washing our hands of it. And like uh, the idea of the Texas Death Match. It's mm-hmm. you know, so all it's kind of been around in one form or another. It's just the fact that. In like the last couple
3: of decades, it went. That's when it went full and like they ramped up even more. Yeah, like obviously it's at CZW and the tournament of death and all that. And like we talk about certain expectations. I think with wrestling it is live as you know, it's it's happening. You know, you're seeing it as it's happening. There's no you know scripts. We can't do big Hollywood stunts and all that. So. We talked about certain expectations. I think as well with death matches, it's also important not to take it to that stupid level where it's like, you know, it was, I believe it's the alligator death match where it's like the loser must fight an alligator, and they reveal this alligator and it's like it's the size of an average-sized dog. It's pissed thin, and it's the, the alligator looks scared it just wants away it's not its natural <laughs> habitat you just see this Japanese guy like gently kicking this alligator trying to provoke it and the alligator's try trying to get away you know uh, it is you know it's always been around it's always had a reputation I just think as well it's important to one live up to the hype if you're going to have a death match but also meeting it in the middle and not over hyping something like yeah. you know You'll fight a live alligator No you won't for Christ's
2: sake I know it gets to the point where Like that, that clip from Semi-Pro Where all feral fights a bear <laughs> 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 But I remember I watched that clip In preparation the whole thing with the alligator And it just reminded me me like the kennel from hell match Where maybe you're surrounded with these cages And these ravenous wild wilds are going to get you If you try to clear up the cage And then they're just sitting there like No paying attention like They're mm. trying to get them They chase after them And one of the trainers ends up falling Following over the dog <laughs> <laughs> so that's going kind of example that it kind of going mm. wrong But I agree with Ross That you can't go Too crazy with well it Because It gets to the point Where you have to Wrap up more And then wrap up yeah. more And then to the point Where audiences start To get desensitised to it And to the point Where you wonder How much farther c- Can we go with this
3: Yeah Look Yeah it, Look we talked about The Stephen referenced The series of matches That Whiplash did Leading up to his BT Gun World title match At Barrow And like Every match went a wee bit further, mm-hmm. and there was even a was a triple threat in Newcastle, I believe. Quentin uh, my Jera Andrew Parker. Yeah, and when I was asking it was actually Sarah because she was at the show. I asked her like, "What did you think of the match?" And she was like, "It was caused the Jimmy Havoc one was only three weeks ago, and it wrapped up and wrapped up, and they maybe should have left it at Jimmy Havoc the final <laughs> boss battle." She went, "It was good, but when you compare it to the Jimmy Havoc one, it wasn't as good." Yeah, and as as you said not getting desensitised, how much further can you take it, you know, and properly managing expectations.
2: Yeah, I think what Blash said he wanted Jimmy Havoc to be last because when you're thinking of, you want to compete in a series of deathmatches, the ultimate person you want to go up against is someone like a Jimmy Havoc. So I think the idea of having the, these two, like Clemander and Drew Parker, who, who are also kind of death match specialists in the UK, like having both of them in the one match, I think it was their way of trying to wrap up a little bit more, but... I think because they also had the death match coming up at Bara they couldn't go too far with it, so it kind of fell flat. Even though it was a great like match.
0: Yeah, you've got to kind of like rein it in a little bit at some point, or what? And uh, yeah, I mean, we're starting to see a kind of rena- renaissance in the UK with certain promotions bringing it up, which we'll definitely talk about later in that. But there is, I mean, it's it's got a long, deep, bloody
2: history.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely, and we'll talk about where. You know, the death match you kind know, of original wrestlers I think started where it kind of went over to Japan, where it was a wrestler, uh, Onita, went went over to the U.S. He spent time in Memphis with Terry Funk, and Memphis was known as a quite a hardcore territory. They'd have like the Texas death matches and stuff like that. And Terry Funk and his older years kind of started becoming more of a brawler, more of a hardcore wrestler, which in a way influenced uh, someone like you would of contact with uh, Mick Foley. So Anita went back to Japan I think that's when you've seen the kind of rent of a Japanese deathmatch match wrestling. The three main promotions you'll find are IWA, FMW, and Big Japan and every time you see a
4: clip from one of these promotions it looks like what the hell are these people it thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting because obviously they did Japan before this kind of that you Scott they were still that whole style mm-hmm. grappling type one that we kind of seen from the old days people, or as people who don't watch wrestling they call it the world of sport days yes. <laughs> uh, so days. so Anita
3: when he, is that that big daddy in Giant fella? <laughs> <So> <laughs> he fella? to Nagasaki <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Anita took a lot from uh, Terry Funk mm-hmm. uh, the man who will not retire and uh, he brought a lot of his styles and thought I'm going to make Japan a bit more different and as you mentioned, some of the stuff you were seeing from that promotion you still see gifts of today Yeah and it's like you've set the bar well too high for these guys I and then know. it's gonna be at a point that we're gonna get some absolute mental type matches which we couldn't see Yeah Even to this current day Oh but, yeah, yeah, definitely
2: in, I mean Grant In, New, in Japan you still had places like New Japan and All Japan at the time and we've all talked about it when you look at New Japan they treat it like a proper sport and kind of like King of Sports is like the nickname for New Japan so it was great that they had these n- other promotions to get like the complete other side of
0: wrestling. Oh yeah, it was absolutely nuts. I mean that yeah, F N W is kind of the first one starting in 1989. that I mean, funny enough, the year I was born, deathmatch wrestling becomes a big thing. And <laughs> it was <Coincidence>. just <laughs> at Sushi Onita again, like Terry Funk never retires, wrestled with <laughs> Chris Brooks these days in DDT. But yeah, I mean they, like they had like the first ever exploding barbed wire match. Trying to figure the logistics out must have been really fun. How know. much of an explosion can we make without killing a man? <laughs> Let's find out <laughs> <laughs> <pyrotechnic>. <laughs>
3: You just hear a loud boom in the background Well Charlie's Deeds, how, how's Jimmy doing? Oh he's just got a male concussion right See what will we use for Jimmy, we'll use that
0: Big uh, Tarzan's coming out, he's, he can handle
2: it he a wee bit bigger <laughs> Japan, like, a lot of people talk about how serious they take wrestling but, like, we look at deathmatch wrestling and the influence of Terry Fun, like, it's more influenced by Western wrestling mm-hmm. than a lot of people would assume. It's more so the other way around. And uh, all of my preparation here is I was looking up what are the craziest matches I've seen. I've got a full on list here. Just some when you most, think you've not got, you can't most, get any crazy. That's crazier. an absolute mental one, <laughs> oh,
4: Aye. We'll
2: start with what, by comparison to some of the other ones, might seem kind of low down. Yeah, from somebody who's new, this will think, well, how can you get any more extreme than that? The idea of not. Taking all of the ropes away from our traditional wrestling match and replacing all four sides with barbed wire. Well, you've had some of the
4: greatest matches of all time without barbed <laughs> wire. There was a match that people classed as too violent for ECW <laughs> between Sabu and Terry Funk know. you know when a match is too violent uh-huh. for ECW that's just like whoa I uh, was so to close
2: it that Sabu beats Funk at it, but he's struggling to pin Funk because Funk is so wrapped up in the barbed wire mm-hmm. and he's there for a good few minutes afterwards because they had to slowly like, cut him out of it
3: yeah I I kind of feel desensitised to barbed wire rope matches just for the simple fact that Back in the Nintendo sixty four days, when you had the ECW Nintendo sixty four game, you had the option to change the ropes to barbed wire. And it was it just it seemed to me like a normal thing because I seen it <laughs> growing up. And then you see it in these these like lists for like top ten craziest stipulations and all that. It's like and you see the actual carnage just barbed wire causing, you're like, My god, this is not a normal thing to see. <laughs> you shouldn't see a human wrapped up in the thing that's meant to keep prisoners from escaping.
2: <laughs> And I think like, it'd be like, a bit weird if you're a wrestler who's new to that style of wrestling that you instinctively a lot of wrestling spots involve going off the ropes. So if you
4: instinctively go off ropes and then you suddenly remember, well, I can't do that. It's barbed wire there.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs> I know it's slightly different, but you remember the. I know it was obviously a different circumstance, remember that match that Drew and Jester had at ICW, mm-hmm. which was meant to have that extreme ruling to it, but then obviously Drew had signed Aye. back for WWE. <laughs> him all the ways he was trying to avoid going mm-hmm. through the tables and that kind of stuff. It was that was kind of a similar idea, granted it's obviously him just trying not to get up. Yeah, yeah. Aye. It's like he hadn't barely any scratches on Jester's face covered in blood, like
2: well. <laughs> who's the real winner here <laughs> <laughs> I think how can they up the idea of barbed wire ropes how about having tiny explosions whenever you hit off the barbed wire ropes <laughs> something that uh, O'Neill and Terry Funk again competed in Grant uh, a series of these type of matches and also matches where a sign would go off in- indicating that a bomb under the ring was about to go off ah so it's, it's, like,
0: it's like how can we make this even more heart like heart heart destroying yeah let's just add explosives not why, why not just bring a gun to it? <laughs> why not? We'll make it a
2: real death match. <laughs> you know I mean? People often me, why,
1: why don't people bring
2: a gun I know a best death match. match. Like, many times, like, a no DQ match, like, just put a gun, like, lie down, find a mask on, pin them. That's guns not really loaded. Bang,
0: right in the foot. will like the IT crowd when he shoots himself down. Oh, a gun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's allowed to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like There's a clip of uh, The match between Anita And Terry Funk In this one Where there's a Maybe a bomb Under the ring And like there's a timer And then when I left This big siren goes off And you can see The entire Like building Everybody's clearing away Like hit The hell back From yeah. this thing
3: Yeah Out Yeah that's the thing When a siren goes off You should be evacuating A building for Christ's sake know. You know a wrestling match should not be incorporating aspects of the TV series Twenty Four, but you know, <laughs> here we have you know Jack Bauer on a pole match as the, <laughs> as the ring looks like it's about to explode.
2: Well, I think what's funny is Hunia uh, goes to leave the ring, and there's a clip of him right before the bomb goes off where he's trying to wake Terry Funk up. Yeah, there's right a few things, and he just dives over him. Yeah, as if it's something out of a war movie, like same friend right before the grenade right. goes off, diving over your comrades,
3: Saving Private Terry. <laughs>
2: But uh, we talked to the uh on previous episodes about certain gimmick matches like the Inferno match, and you think, oh, initially when you look at that maybe quite dangerous. And Japan, they did a thing where a match that involved the original Sheik, where they took these uh, things where they wrapped these things in Oil kerosene, old like rags and kerosene, wrapped them in the ring and set them on fire. And quickly, all the oxygen came out of the room because of the amount of flames. off, and guys started passing out, and quickly they realised this is a bad idea. Realisation
3: yeah. <laughs> A realisation should have happened before you set things on fire. Yeah. Uh, like, the Infernal match, it's the surrounding of the ring is on fire to stop people escaping, you know. It's to keep the people in the ring. When you're setting the actual ring, you know, there's not many things you need for a wrestling match. A wrestling ring would be one of them. I'd say that's kind of up there. <laughs> you know, and... Setting the actual ropes on fire, that's just like bringing it back to the point of, yeah, we can go a bit crazy with death matches. We can set the tables on fire and boards and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, in the Inferno match where they set, like, you know, Kane's sleeved up arm on fire. Fair enough, he's clearly wearing a protective sleeve. Mm-hmm. But when you're setting the actual ring on fire so much so that the competitors can't breathe and do the match, when the actual audience can't see the match engulfed in flames, that's maybe when you go. This wasn't a good idea
2: It's cheaper than a lumberjack though <laughs> Yeah, well, it <just> was <laughs> <laughs> Very, very much cheaper
4: With higher risks
2: <laughs> <laughs> And with alligators and dogs and the kid of like I you have a match involving animals But well, the animals aren't really into it What's the exact opposite where It had a, only happened once, I believe it was in Big Japan It was the Piranha Deathmatch Oh, it's over <laughs> there! That's incredible! What, what a world.
4: great bombing stipulation <laughs> that is just a crash A big
2: case of piranhas and the thing was, they had to rile up the piranhas even more because when the wrestlers were bleeding they would hold their heads over so the blood would drip into the water and rile up the piranhas. So
4: yeah. this is what they were trying to do with the kennel of death. Kind of yeah, rile really? the dogs up yeah. instead of the dogs just pissing, and, just pissing and humping each other. Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thing the piranhas didn't do that. No. <laughs> that could be quite a mess. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and the thing was, you are only
2: meant to be in there for 10 seconds and that meant you won the match. The poor man who lost this was not only thrown into the tank with these bloodthirsty paras, he had a hardware board hold over the tank, while the point? would say to hold it over so he couldn't get out, while the prize were all and in
4: his legs and possibly his bits. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. That sounds like something that even like, Mickey Whiplash would be like, yep.
3: yeah. No, maybe give that a miss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
4: That sounds like a funny
2: Saturday night, that. <laughs> I anybody of sound mind would say, no, I'm not doing that.
3: Put your right up, Sea World, that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there's a match that happened once in Japan, I can't remember what they refer in Japan, but they used it once in Easter Review and it was referred to as the Taipei Deathmatch. Match. Mm-hmm. It was a match between Ian and Axel Rotten where emperors take tape up their hands and then stick the tape in glue and they take their glue to tape their hands into a bucket of broken glass. And basically Punch each other in the face with a, uh, And see how cut up they can get
3: So you were talking about the Sticky Bandits earlier I mean that just sounds So like that a. that mean sti- you two actually yes, yes, each other brothers That sounds like a Sticky Bandit match <laughs> <laughs> which, which out loud sounds a bit worse than you know I'd, 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 Oh you Sticky Bandits <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs>
4: the, the rated 18 version of Formula 1 yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most terrifying one I see when I was reading Was the Nail held match I don't know if you've got that in Yeah hey, I don't mind me you explain that It's kind of like You've got boards in the ring with some boards, have got like nails hanged on the ropes, and on the opposite side of the boards there's like barbed wire. Oh, Jesus <sighs> so it's like 50/50. You one, they can get you one side and they can get you another one, and it's like, oh, it's like any match with nails. It's and kind it's of just like it. There was oof. that kind of video that went on <laughs> viral recently, but the, was it the knife? Was it the big, the massive machete knives? Uh, the GCW knife spot with the guy in double fifty stitches. And oh. I, even
0: even I'm I'm I, I'm a known lover for death matches. But even I was like, ah, no thanks, pal. I <laughs> know. I mean, there's another one as well that i think, reckon if have had on your lists, uh, the Scorpion Deathmatch. No, but so no. uh, That was grim, because instead, it's like the Piranha one, but instead of barbed wire boards, there are two cacti. Which sounds bad enough, so it is. But then, instead of Pranas, there's a tank full of scorpions.
3: You're sticking that much.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you have ever been stung by a scorpion, but I can tell Probably you, not. you squeal like a wee banshee.
3: I, I've not been stung by a scorpion. It's not on my to-do list, to be honest with you. No.
4: My own one like a like No, no, quite all right.
3: Thanks for that, though. <laughs> See, the you know
4: death match type matches that involve a light tube.
3: Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's it's sort of the it's the like the candlestick and the hardcore match because it makes such a noise. The kendo stick mm-hmm. the light tube, you know, always creates a great visual because it smashes and then it's just a big cloud of dust. It's like
0: uh, I can also vouch a kendo stick shot is not fun to take i taken two how do you spend your Saturday night, Scrum? <laughs> Jesus, the storm that, the scorpion night and. That was a Thursday night in Liverpool after DOA it's like, the, it's like the two out of three falls match but
4: instead of falls it's light tube log cabins The only way to win is to break two light tube log cabins over or on your opponent and All of these matches that I've read
2: there seem to be how many yeah, different right. ways can we incorporate barbed wire and light tubes in a way that people haven't seen before and I think one of the things that really appealed to people back in the day who would follow Japanese wrestling is there was only one way you could really see this and it was through the air of tape trading mm-hmm. I think because you couldn't see them otherwise unless you knew so
3: to get tape I think that it was this thing before yeah and I think obviously the likes of CZW and obviously before that ECW I think what made that so popular in North America was the fact that as you said you could only see it through likes of tape trading you know it seemed like this whole other world and you know it seemed like you know this you know foreign thing where it's like it's only in Japan so when it comes to North America automatically the band is there you're like right you know I'm staying you know in New York this is in Philly Mm -hmm. it's a hell of a lot closer to get to than Tokyo we are driving to Philly I was in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. we are driving to Wisconsin to see that you Uh know because you know it's easier to get to and it creates a demand because back in the day it did seem this sort of foreign thing that you wouldn't see you know, in WWF
2: Yeah, and one of the more, like uh, Talked about tapes at the time was uh, IWA did a show called uh, Kawasaki Dream It was this uh, big supercar Which featured their King of the Death Match tournament Which featured, like, sort of, uh, former Freebird uh, Tiger Jeet Singh The father of WWF legend Tiger Ali Singh <laughs> Mick <laughs> Foley and uh, Mick Foley And uh, Terry Fung said Mick Foley and Kat, they The same person <laughs> <laughs> And we They were both In the Royal Rumble No, nah, nah, i say Not <laughs> if <you watched laughs> The 1999 Royal Rumble <laughs> And Also a, a wrestler Just called Leatherface Who basically Just stole The Leatherface gimmick From Texas Chainsaw Which happened a lot Apparently in Japan Back in the day they just he, had <laughs> a blood, he had a good record I'm sure In the, the CZW <laughs> death. Ah, He's got a few wins In the
3: height <laughs> I <It> wasn't <laughs> Big Bossman's Last match in Japan They just fought Freddy Krueger <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a thing It was like his second last match for <laughs> Freddy Krueger And Some of these weird stipulations I've
2: seen Where And the finals Which was between Mick Foley and Terry Funk Was The longest title I've ever read I need to take a big breath to Take it. get this it. Uh, a barbed wire rope Exploding barbed wire board Exploding ring Time bomb match
4: I
0: thought you were going to talk about the barbed wire brick match that they so, had. So essentially,
3: essentially what I can all agree here is that the barbed wire is the potato of the deathmatch world. Yeah. It's, versatile. it's very versatile. <laughs> I mean, we, we complain a lot about WWE having stipulation pay-per-views. Can you imagine if that was a thing, you know, we've got the likes of, you know, welcome to Alligator Deathmatch. I can't see that taking off or, you know, welcome to Noro Electrified Barbed Wire Swamp Pool Dynamite Double Hell Deathmatch. <laughs> Like Not doesn't roll off the tongue like, like TLC, does
2: it? No. Nah, you get literally. the guy from Family Guy the Wacky William, play alarm flying like, too to ECW, we've mentioned ECW quite a bit and I think the good thing that ECW did doing was it had as well as all his hardcore matches, it did it kinda of fought against some of the stereotypes of oh it's all blood and guts where in ECW a lot of like, talented technical wrestlers like I point they' in like, the headlights of Edward Grill Team Malenko all
4: working for them. Yeah, Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome are two great examples of guys who mm-hmm. had uh, the like those death match style matches in ECW but could probably, they could go, you mm-hmm. know, so there was a lot of guys in there who did have, it was a mix of the kind of styles but yeah. it kind of helped please the maybe the audience who maybe fell away from WWE and, and WCW while also bringing in all these guys that just wanted to see something get absolutely battered.
2: Masato <laughs> <laughs> Tanaka, like you see some of the, the chair shots to the head, like unprotected obviously <laughs> that he would take back to yeah, him and awesome and knowing what we know now about concussion that it's just hard to watch and the fact that Masato Naka is not only still wrestling today but he's the top champion in DDT right now like how are you even walking now after all those chair shots to the heads?
0: Absolute miracle the guy can even still walk with some of the stuff they'd done back in the day. I mean, it just
2: gets a wee bit worrying. <laughs> I know glad he can remember his own name Was a miracle after all those chair shots <laughs> and I think another thing that appealed to me, like you said, like the idea of Japan being kind of this foreign thing that was so different Think about ECW is this is all happening in these kind of hardcore matches like the barbed wire ropes and all that This is happening like when ECW starts taking off in like 95, 96 And Gary talked about the, worst, uh, sorry, the new generation era That is also happening this time, so in WF you've got Wrestler who's also a dentist, Wrestler is also a bin man Whereas you watch this and you're like Also at the same time guys are going through these barbed wire ropes
4: and getting set on fire like two different worlds. And yeah, then WWE brought some of them in, like like Terry Funk, and made him a guy who wore st- like stockings over his face and kind of changed something.
1: Yeah.
0: Wait, when you say a wrestler that was a dentist, I'm pretty sure that seems familiar these days. But I kind of think who. Nah, no, they don't really mention it in that. No, much no, very much. Never gets mentioned. No. no.
3: Wonder <laughs> if she'd ever consider changing her gimmick to maybe a baker. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like as you mentioned, obviously we about ECW. It's you know a whole different thing. We mentioned how the demand was there because the Japanese deathmatch seems seemed like, you know, a million miles away. Mm-hmm. And at the same time when the nineties are rolling in and it's, you know, the shock and awe let style era and car crash TV and Jerry Springer sort of thing, when wrestlers are, you know, both given the chance to do this what seems foreign mm-hmm. wrestling style and at the same time the storylines there of good wrestling with wrestlers who aren't a dentist a baker a butcher a candlestick maker you know they are just I'm a wrestler this is what I do for a living and storylines are playing out between real people it just ECW doesn't get enough credit for the the stuff it did towards WWE and WCW you know making them change their product it really is kind of remembered because WWE tells the story of oh well it was all those hardcore things wasn't it you know you know it's not it's so much more
2: yeah, it was, it was great though for the fans of it because it was a different alternative. There was also mm-hmm. the idea that it wasn't a mainstream thing, ECW, because they didn't get a TV deal until about 99 like, and that didn't last all that long. So it was the idea of being different. And I think part of the reason some of the guys involved, like Sabu, like the, son, the, sorry, the, um, the nephew, I believe, of the original Sheik, so yeah. born into deathmatch wrestling, and like the Sandman, and that, some of these guys who were specialists in cyber wrestling. There were some who weren't able to adapt when they had more restrictions on them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why ECW gets, restric- gets the negativity that it does by some people, and that some guys couldn't evolve outside of it. But then, for them, you've got the Dudleys
4: mm-hmm. who did very well when didn't always have to be weapons-based matches. Rob Van Dams a great example yeah. from ECW yeah. who evolved into probably the best wrestler in the world in 2002 officially. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and something is what like it's like deathmatch wrestling is not something everyone can do. There are people like. You, you know you mentioned Drew being in WWE he didn't want to get hurt you know he just re-signed with him he didn't want to jeopardise that for his match with Jester you know not everyone can do deathmatch wrestling and it is looked down upon at times like as oh god well it's just you know these out of shape trash bag wrestlers that wear you know cargo shorts or jeans to the ring and you're I'm just like, yeah and you're just like well <laughs> no actually you're, you're more likely to find those people in the hardcore wrestling thing whereas deathmatch wrestling is about building up to that one big spot that you won't see in a hardcore match and you need to do actual wrestling to get to that point
2: mm-hmm. yeah definitely um, like you said it doesn't get the credit deserves sometimes Yeah, the actual storytelling though but unfortunately all good things kind of come to an end and ECW eventually folded in 2001 with bought by WRE and like you said now they really tell the story because they own all the intellectual property of it but in the aftermath after WCW and ECW closed there were all this fight and people trying to establish the alternatives to WWE and you had the ones that started time were Ring of Honor and TNA which took the idea of a pure wrestling based show mm-hmm. away from the mainstream WWE Whereas there guys who were like, oh people miss the idea of the extreme and the deathmatch of ECW yeah. and the hardcore stuff so there are people trying to fill that void. Mm-hmm. You had some like smaller promotions that didn't really last more than a year trying to both full of hardware Bringing in a lot of imports who were former ECW guys But the one that's really Stood the test of time And is the most talked about Deathmatch potion today I think is Obviously CZW mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. the big yeah. thing about it Even as The Tournament of Death Is kind of a who's who
4: Of Deathmatch wrestling <laughs> See if you look at some of the names Of that Tournament of Death They don't really stand out As household names But see if you were to like Watch them Religiously all the time. These are like your idols. These are like <laughs> the independent versions of like these. The guys you say Tommy Dreamer, Sabu, mm-hmm. you know, Sandman. You know, who would have, Who knows of Madada? Unless you have course. <laughs> he is the he is Mister CZW in terms of that tournament of death and things he's done. But it's the way they've kind of brought the names out. I mean, you look at a guy now, the main champion of a major now promotion, and John Moxley. Yeah, who got okay. his first big start in the CZW tournament of death type stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean. I I was watching one of the the Viceland documentaries on Deathmatch Wrestling and it's so weird to see someone who his gimmick is basically how much better he is than you (laughs) in MGF and yet this documentary you just see him sort of there's one of him up in the rafters, he's fighting somebody and they both fall to the floor through a table there's one where it's just him floating about backstage planning his match and it is, you know we mentioned how sometimes it's looked down upon some people can't do deathmatch wrestling certain deathmatch wrestlers absolutely can't do good wrestling that's why they maybe stick to hardcore matches but there are the people like John Moxley and like MGF mm-hmm. who can jump in between and obviously you mentioned filling that void ECW left. there was a really dark period for the wrestling world in 2002 when Ring of Honor and TNA hadn't found the rhythm yet yeah. and you had so many promotions popping up with either signed everyone that WWE didn't sign after the Monday Night Wars ended or signing all the ECW guys and it was just WCW knockoff ECW knockoff and that happened for at least two years Mm -hmm. and it was just it was brutal so the likes of CZW although it might be looked down upon it should be thanked for maybe killing off some of these like Joker promotions for the simple fact that it does tell storylines throughout its deathmatch wrestling
2: yeah and then all those ECW castles all got absorbed by TNA towards the end of the 2000s <laughs> <laughs> ironic that a lot of those
3: ECW rejects then get brought back to WWE in
2: 2006 <laughs> uh, Look at some of the tournament deathmatch uh, tournament of death winners uh, you got the necro butcher who appeared in uh, the film The Wrestler he looks rough and yeah,
4: he's about I think he's about 30 or 40 or
2: he What? Ah, he's about 40 <laughs> Jesus so, <laughs> He got, just won't die not around Jesus you got Jimmy Havoc Ricky Shane Page Who's seen Maxi W Nick Gage And Drake Younger Who's now a referee In WWE <laughs> the, the, the tan referee yeah. In NXT uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> It's unreal You're like Wait what? <laughs> I mean I just like How much tan he got And then you see pictures of him Where he's in Caesar against getting syringes Put through his cheeky And no, I mean, I think you've earned the right to put on think as much fake tan as you want I think that's why you've so much fake tan, to kind of hide the scars from, <laughs> from these deathmatches I mean, you say the, re- the best good referee shouldn't be noticeable I mean, it's hard to not notice a man who's almost orange No <laughs> But I talked about ECW doing the thing where they had the death match style also great wrestlers and ECW does that so well as well because they also have their tournament The Best of the Best tournament where it's basically the best independent wrestlers, just all around great wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And you talk, look at these, the names of it you got Mike Clackenbush, who you interviewed, Adam Cole uh, won the tournament one year, and Mike Bailey, Jonathan Gresham, David Starr. Like, you think of great independent wrestlers, like, and where, given where some of these guys are today,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like, it's yeah. very who, much like I said, a who's who.
3: Yeah uh, Obviously Adam Cole Current NXT champion David Starr You know Mr. Indies At the minute you know, Even the like other ones
0: That have been in Tournament of Death I mean you've got the likes of Eddie Kingston Has mm-hmm. been in Tournament of Death And he is on an absolute Thunderous roll right now Between NWA And the Indies over here And even mm-hmm.
4: Drew Parker Who's over in Big Japan Yeah Started in progress Sammy Callahan Was in a tournament Of death as well Yeah Mm -hmm. We've kind of seen Him recently in ICW And obviously He was the Impact Champion at the the Turn of the year
2: Yeah So he's done Great things And what I thought Was interesting I was looking up Some of the tournament Matches from the Years these guys Were wrestling And uh, there was a Period where The first round Matches in the Best of the best Would be triple threats And Adam Cole's uh, First triple threat He beat Johnny Gargano And Kyle O'Reilly Which is quite (laughs) funny Now when you look At his NXT career (laughs) precursor. So, so Triple H, watches <laughs> <laughs> uh, it? i But repeat. But deathmatch wrestling isn't just something that happens in CZW and, and places like America. It's happening over here, mm-hmm. where our promotion we have got uh, TNT in Liverpool and we've got ICW up here in Scotland and I think this is where we've all seen deathmatches thanks to ICW, thanks to Mikey Whiplash and Jim Havoc mm-hmm. coming in and I think ICW, Grant, yeah, is pretty good that ICW is basically like ECW and that there aren't really any rules, so you can get away with a lot in certain matches. So when they have to specify, this is a Glasgow fever they have to specify, this is a death match. More than that, it's because it's in the middle of a great feud that warrants that little bit extra. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, ICW, that's where... Well, I started going ICW in 2012
0: and 13. Even some of the matches back then were quite extreme, but definitely the most extreme ones were the whole Whippy series leading to him and where Whippy looked like he pretty much almost died in the ring. Yeah. When Stevie Boy came out and cashed in and Whippy just looks like, no, for the love of God
2: man, just stay <laughs> out. Stay out, you're going to die. I mean, you talk about reinvention, Michael Whiplash was as a great technical wrestler. I mean he had a storyline about having to go back to to with after death rhythm for so long, but he came in the ICW and thought regular wrestler Michael Whiplash is not gonna cut it here. Mm-hmm. And he started going in the season where he debuted against Jack Chester, where they were probably doing his hard for him actually. Jack Jester is formed himself into a hardcore specialist, especially in the early days of ICW which is, he doesn't do as much now, he's more the fan favourite with a kinky
4: party but back in the day he was the hardcore guy in ICW One of the most uh, cult kind of deathmatch style matches ICW have done from like a non-fan point of view is the match they had between Jester, Jimmy Havoc and the former Crazy Mary Dobson Now known as yeah. Sarah Logan <laughs> yeah. I wonder what she's doing right now <laughs> <laughs> and, and that match it went It's gone basically a little bit of a viral match you know, I think everybody oh, well. has seen that particular match for <laughs> One particular spot <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's the way The staples The staples to bear. See, the The gooch.
4: See the thing about it You'll see people will talk about the Sarah Logan character now And they're like Oh she got the offer And every time I just go Go to YouTube And watch this match <laughs> <laughs> This is the match That will make you this Member actually gets Thrown off the balcony
0: It's crazy It's crazy enough. <laughs> Speaking of like Her Like even TNT this year Introduced two female Competitors for the DOA tournament They had Session Moth Martina mm-hmm. And they also had Charlie Evans Charlie Evans took on the R.S.P. Ricky Shane Page And Session Moth Got Jimmy Lloyd So that's two GCW Deathmatch legends knowing they're talking about an all-female
4: deathmatch tournament next year. Uh, you talked obviously Scott about Mikey Whiplash as well, how when he came to ICW mm-hmm. he kind of did the hardcore that we get noticed a wee bit more but you notice in the ye- over the last year we've not seen Mikey Whiplash in ICW on a regular thing, obviously, he does his stuff with Source with the family shows but yeah. out with that he's down in TNT and he's reinvented himself to that audience because mm-hmm. Mikey Whiplash would probably says himself that he's not really had the same recognition in the English audience over the last few years as he's had up here. so he's now went down there he's got this cult following with TNT and you look at the pop on the TNT recent show where he got announced for the CZW Tournament of Death just shows how much a great job he's done he's just an all-round
1: entertainer he knows he knows how to get you talking he knows how to put on a match that will get you invested he's just he's just really good at what he does just a great entertainer great wrestler
2: yeah he talk about like he doesn't have the in England he here. I think Scotland's kind of become his second home ever since he started with. I 9 took over uh, with sort. I believe it was him and Jimmy Havoc got to the finals of the, the last DOA uh, tournament a Death in, in TNT, and TNT have even introduced their own in Extreme Division Championship. So uh, it's really become like the kind of Deathmatch motion almost in England. Mm-hmm. In Russia.
3: Yeah, it's obviously he's been announced for the tournament of death. We talk about how he's not had. The recognition that he should have had in England. It's, you know, maybe it's just the Scottish chip on my shoulder that, you know, we sometimes oh, well, oh, he's British when it suits, you know, that sort of Andy Murray mentality. But um, it seemed to be because Jimmy Havoc was in England and, you know, uses Scotland, you know, to come to ICW and what have you, that he's received more recognition in the States. Yeah. And, it, you know, because he's based in Scotland and sometimes goes to England where he likes a target and TNT yeah. Whiplash maybe doesn't get that yeah. maybe viewed that as a big fish in a small pond and the fact that at the end of their death match in 2018 Jimmy Havoc turned around former winner of the Tournament of Death and says the fact that you're not in Tournament of Death yeah. is you know, an absolute slap in the face and then turned around and says fuck DJ Hyde you know <laughs> just calls him out for not booking him it just goes to show that you know, he might have reinvented himself to that English audience, but it's been known to his peels both sides of the border for quite some time.
2: Yeah, and sorry, uh, well, we, from what we've seen in that uh, Deathmatch Invitational and what you see in TNT, it's one of those things like you agree, like why isn't he in tournament death? And now hear he is going to be. Like from what we've seen, do you think what else is he going to be able to do one this whole new audience that probably haven't seen
4: Michael us before? One thing I've liked actually with TNT is kind of as Grant mentioned the two women that were coming mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of helped expose like kind of your non-traditional kind of deathmatch people has actually been deathmatch specialists I mean mm-hmm. Spike Trevet. I would expect- not, not seen him as a deathmatch
0: wrestler Spike Trevet had a great one that wasn't technically a deathmatch but almost turned into one back in progress at a show at the Dome him and Drew Parker there's an awful spot where a broken mirror and ended up in a hospital visit but there's another promotion that a lot of people forget about because they're not really a deathmatch promotion but they've put on a big deathmatch match, match. For certain situations. Fight Club Pro death House matches. So the best example, the hour long one that happened just last year, Team Fight Club Pro against Schadenfreude. It had deathmatch Timothy Thatcher. If you want a proper wrestler, everyone's coming out with their t-shirts and jeans, Thatcher. No, nah, I'll be alright with in my trunks. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, scary.
4: all <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thatcher is intimidating in the best of things and we people get slid for coming deathmatch with All they come in the shirt and the jeans. like Really, it's smart when you're going to be turning a barbed wire, you want to have some layers on and protect you. <laughs> yes. Really, if you want the same person as Timothy Thatcher for not coming out yes. with
4: that. The best one, I know is not traditionally deathmatch, but I loved it at the end of. Uh, WCW, where Norman Smiley was in the hardcore division, and he came out with the full <laughs> shoulder pad like American football,
2: killer oh, that one. Oh, just, oh, just just
4: just <laughs> screeching in terror when he was Terry Funk was
2: chasing them down, and that's and it's that type of planning and strategy that he's now teaching at the performance center. That's why he's got
4: that job.
3: That's why Roman Reigns wears the bulletproof vest. He was clearly trained by Norman Smiley.
4: <laughs> Screaming Norman
2: Smiley, <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. hardcore legend Norman Smiley,
2: <laughs> and I think. Like, I think we ICW had in the early days when I started getting noticed that same thing that ECW had in that it was the idea of the underground kind of promotion that I was doing this hardcore stuff and also I had that kind of underground feeling that it was run in places like uh, uh, the Classic Grand and then the Garage and that before an actual nightclub so and it was an over 18th promotion I think in the UK I don't think we were, there were many avenues in the UK we could watch ECW. So, is that kind of thing that you were, kind of de- you were kind of deprived of for a long time, unless you were really able get a tape of CZW? But now it's like on our doorstep, like this type of wrestling.
3: Yeah, like obviously I mentioned the whole like Americans feeling like they had to go to ECW because it was that Japanese style. And then because we were sort of second hand through it, our experience of it was through clips of the old ECW. Uh-huh. So you now, you know, you have people that like we know coming from Paisley in Edinburgh, you come for Falkirk to see ICW shows, you know what I mean? Stenny, Stenny, let's also get this right. has me or do I dice, You know? <laughs> How dare you? You're
0: getting put through a table. the <laughs> <you> know, table.
3: <laughs> you know, because it is in Glasgow and it is, you know, just a drive away, people are like, yeah, I'll travel for that. And again, that, that helped made ICW the sort of word of mouth promotion. Right. And obviously it's given people like Havoc Whiplash, you know, you mentioned wrestlers you wouldn't think were Deathmatch wrestlers, Aspen Faith. Mm-hmm. A platform to, you know, put themselves out there.
2: Yeah, and we've talked about it before and that certain Americans prefer to I C W as ECW with an accent. In fact, now we're getting these Deathmatch wrestlers who want to come over. Now we've had Jim Abbott on multiple occasions. Ricky Shane Page and Sammy Callahan. Recently. The blood
3: tourist looking sharp. Let's not forget <laughs> him.
2: Well, that's what we talked about, guys, making mm. a name for himself in the deathmatch match. that. We say the kings and queens of insanity. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh of, yes. of
1: insanity.
2: Oh, like we talked about the like crazy match in Japan. Why have we not talked about the uh, the kings of insanity matches that we talked about? Where well, they've actually brought fucking cinder blocks and the spot with the the table with the cans of monster. <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That match featured everyone's favourite table manufacturer, and Crowbar. Yes. <laughs> Talk about deathmatch specialists. That's a specialisation that no one else can match.
2: <laughs> I only just for the first time watched so IC on demand the uh, Ricky Shane Page Krager match where the table would not break. But I have table. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna that's gonna be the first tap we're going back. And then second tap we're gonna the panel's gonna pick in their picks for death their deathmatch icons. so we look at things where promotions like WWE and AEW have kind of implemented small aspects of deathmatch wrestling into them Uh, but for now we're talking about a man who we've talked about a lot in this first half this is Mikey Whiplash announcing the Deathmatch Invitational in ICW back in 2018 we'll see you after the break
3: My name's Mikey Whiplash and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet
4: 2018 I promised ICW that there will be blood,
1: I'm going to make the roads flow. I'm setting out an open invitation to anybody who
4: thinks they're sick enough and disturbed enough to fight me in a match. the Mikey Riplash match invitation. If anybody can beat me between now and Baromania, we'll make it a three-way a 4-way or a 5-way, now you can get that title shot that everybody is so desperate to have. So, somebody,
1: anybody, come at me, because I am the Legion and we are many.
0: Gentlemen,
2: welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweets. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retreat I'm your host, Colin McLeod And I'm joined by Ross, Stephen, Grant and Kwaku And the subject today is Deathmatch Wrestling You just heard, Michael Wilkes is quite evident In the Hardcore Championship Because uh, the WWE title. and...
3: It, it was, as we see with the 24-7 title now You know, with the likes of the likes of Drake Maverick and the likes of the Singh Brothers people who aren't good enough for the Intercontinental and the world titles against the Giants of WWE and then obviously we mentioned before Norman Smiley um, sort of the comedy (laughs) character who runs like a madman and (laughs) you know he'll do anything to hold on to this title it's treated like a comedy prop but to these smaller guys you know this title is their life you know it's so they can say they are a champion
2: yeah and Steven, I think also quite a few people got kind of uh, pigeonholed into this hardcore division for like some of the ECW guys that came over like Raven got put into that division and I think it was a kind of a case of this is how Vince saw some of these guys like he brought in guys like RVD guys like them it's
4: a similar way we talk about the, some of the guys in the CCW guys like you get like a Ricky Shane Page comes over and you just think oh he's going to come and put somebody for attack Free tax onto tax <laughs> he's gonna put somebody onto tax you know type idea so it's kind of like it's same the same way that you get like some guy like I'm trying to think of an example see if like a Chad Gable mm-hmm. was to get released from a WWE mm-hmm. and for somehow came over here you would think Chad was gonna come over here and do a Chad Gable match a technical style match so it's kind of yeah. the same way of that but just because uh, it's not pure wrestling the pigeonholing is a lot different in terms yeah. of this type of hardcore stuff the limit on how violent they could get they kind of it seemed like they were making exception when they had the ECW
2: One Night Stand event, and I think it gave some hope to these fans who kind of fell away from the product after the closure of ECW. I think you scored stuff I said Oh my <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Awesome. And then they had some uh, Macho Libre where a guy dressed as Nacho Libre from the Jack
4: Black film and talks like Randy Savage. It was, a great example of <laughs> it was a great example of Vince McMahon getting his hands on something popular and not having a clue what to do with it. <laughs> yeah and we're
2: talking, Quite about, <laughs> we're talking about We're talking about Man, how you know, unbearable he got when he came back for after oil, but he was actually one of the main proponents of trying to do to, to get behind this like, easy brand run and that he wanted to be online so they could get away with more <laughs> and capture more of the ECW. Because he's field. the best in
4: the world. <laughs> could you imagine if uh, we wait if the Bum in mean, the network had come out like ten years earlier, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if you stuck ECW on the network, that could have went absolutely up. that could have went absolutely mental because you don't have the same restrictions as you have on national television. I think that was what Vince was concerned about. He had all these relationships with the networkers and if he put out this product mm-hmm. that he went with the same hardcore and just didn't and sponsors, because a lot of things people forget about WWE is they are a public traded company mm-hmm. they have so many shareholders who don't really have as much of a vested interest in the in wrestling itself so by going with this type of risky product you would probably maybe annoy the shareholders and that would obviously affect the stock value I mean there are a recent example as well I'm sure Tony Cairns came out and said he's not a big proprietor of deathmatch wrestling Yeah. but maybe not seeing as much of these kind of lights out matches as much in AEW ever since his apartment took a lot more of a stranglehold on the creative side
2: yeah and I think we ECW A lot of people talk about how it had the format That NXT kind of perfected In that we had these like young up and coming guys Who weren't ready for Ron Smatton at the time So if you had the, net, had the, like, the CM Punk in that coming mm-hmm. up And you had the hardcore like you, you had a bit more freedom That could have been like ECW Could have been what NXT is now to an extent
3: Yeah but obviously what NXT has now You know the likes of Sami Zayn was on NXT full time from 2012 to 2015. The likes of you know Johnny Gargano has been there since 2015. And with this whole network, you know, either this whole you know, the NXT takeovers aren't just an extra to WrestleMania weekend, they anytime someone showed like a bit of charisma, a bit of interest, instantly was taken away. You know, you saw the how they were gutted during the, the 2007 draft, they got. Crispin was a draft pick who they thought, right, he'll be a you know, a great technical wrestler for that brand, and then obviously all his personal stuff happened and they got the boogeyman because, <laughs> because they wanted these outrageous ken's Kevin Thorne. Right. Hence why Gangrel was brought back but then released because he couldn't get into T V shape. You know, so obviously we talked about ECW was this underground and I talked at the start, these corporations can't do deathmatch wrestling because the shareholders, the TV stuff, you know, and that WWE ECW is a perfect example of when a corporation tries to do indie underground sort of thing.
0: Part of it, part of it as well with ECW was the ECW Arena was a big integral mm. part of what made the charm. It's yeah. one of those sort of
4: special venues. And yeah. then WWE ran it and they read the uh, Big Show Batistas, I mean, I mean. Yeah, because
2: I remember the first couple of, when I stand, they had the Hammerstein Ballroom, which was a big venue in ECW, mm. so that helped the feel of it, and then they were just Taking tribunes right before SmackDown, where fans were like,
3: "I'm just here to see SmackDown. I don't care." Yeah, I like Batista, and I'm not taking. I don't care about you know Axel Rotten and Sandman.
2: <laughs> and when did you see
0: Batista? Balls, Mahoney. He nearly, he nearly got into Kelly Kelly, in and that,
4: that on that on an angle at one point.
3: Balls deep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Talk about AEW because you mentioned the Tony Cannon, the, light, the lights out was kind of a term used back in the day for the unsanctioned matches and that. And I think the fact that Cody is a thing generation Wrestling is like old school influences
4: bringing these ideas and that's why we're getting the uh, war games or blood and guts mm-hmm. to avoid a legal battle. I think, I think the thing with the, the lights out, that kind of, I think they brought it in too soon. If it feels like something like an unsanctioned match Should be a kind of feud-ender type yeah. idea So mm-hmm. the fact that they were like what Was it the second show that they had the lights out match? Yeah, With Janela yeah. and Moxley Yeah, and Moxley. that was pretty fast in yes. it's I mean I, I loved it for what it was but yeah Can I agree that yeah, as, a, as a one-off match It's fine on its own But the fact that the whole kind of spell of AEW It was far too early to have such
3: a thing like And then they put it on Dark as well Which is the online show which we talked about You know, ECW being online was you know Shane McMahon's vision? He wanted it to be a sort of indie style thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've just made this big deal about how you're launching a TV show. How you're going to give, you know, you're going to give people the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega for the first time ever on weekly TV. <laughs> you know, not Generation Me, Young Bucks. <laughs> Before Andy says TNA to me, and <laughs> then you're putting a a lights out match with no storyline onto Dark, which yeah. is your secondary show. Think- I think their use of Lights Out matches Has been a bit poor Yeah
2: because between June and November They had three of
4: these I think it's wise That Tony can take To pull back on it A bit for now I think that's kind of A sign of things like that Is the recent rumours came out Based on an interview He did that Joey Janela is Doing a lot more Indie dates And he's cutting back On his AW dates Which maybe gives the idea That maybe Joey Janela Just was not the fit for this AEW product he was a guy who came in with a lot of buzz to start with he could have done these death matches if they wanted to do them but the fact that we have saw since 2020 the kind of swings completely turned on AEW's fortunes in terms of their weekly product Joey Janela's style of wrestling just does not fit to that but all you know, these indie dates roundabout about Wrestlemania season he's gold
2: yeah and something that's quite weird about the the third place in match along between Omega and Moxley is that in this era where we've got CZW, and I think a lot of those hardcore wrestling fans who would watch AEW probably would have seen that still of wrestling, there were complaints by a lot of people that they went too far in that late out match, I mean, granted it went on a bit long, but I don't think the violence-wise, there was anything you wouldn't have seen in a regular CZW show. No, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, the spot with the whole bar-
0: barbed wire spider web, yeah. we've seen much worse than CCW's tournament of <laughs> death and stuff like that, and to me, that match was actually it was, it was one of my favourite AEW matches since it began. To
4: it, did divide it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it
3: wasn't a Kenny Omega match. I yeah, mean, t- to me, you talked about the online fans who would watch this online wrestling fans try to try to look cool online. You know, they don't <laughs> call out certain promotions, and it's like, "Lol, WWE sucks." When WWE's the only thing they watch, <laughs> it's just it's that sort of era we're in. So these people that go, "Yeah, I love a death match. I love this." Haven't actually seen a death match. So when they saw this, they were like. Oh, that's too far and then Grant as you mentioned it's nothing you haven't seen in CZW
0: Tournament of Death and, uh, GCW as well being a big proponent for Deathmatch wrestling these days as yeah. well
3: and obviously Steven said it wasn't an Omega match it's not what you were expecting
2: yeah I think that's that was the point of it though that it wasn't an Omega match and that mega was going a bit off the deep end that's why he had the match with Moxley with Joey Janelle on Dark and then this match with Moxley I think so for a storyline perspective I think it was actually pretty good because the worst thing you can have is one of these type of matches with little storylines for no reason, like you said with Theo when Janela. Just they threw it on dark. But uh, now we're going to get into the section where I'm going to go around each of the panel and they're going to give me their pick for a particular death match icon. And Russell, Thursday, who is your pick?
3: Yeah so I'm going to do the cop out here, but I'm going to go with Mick Foley, just uh-huh. for the simple fact that I've mentioned how you know, the Japan thing was what gave ECW a buzz, ECW thing was what gave the likes of ICW and uh, deathmatches in the UK a sort of buzz, <coughs> excuse me but Mick Foley, you know in the actual era, it might not have been you know, death match stuff he was doing but he was certainly doing more than your average, you know, rock, stone cold cane were doing, you know he was getting thrown off cells, he was getting put through cells, he was you know thumbtacks, broken glass, and all that stuff. And what's it? What I tend to find when people stay with wrestling, like as they get older, they tend to look seen before. And Mick Foley is the perfect gateway into that sort of deathmatch stuff because he done the ECW stuff. He done, you know, WCW's Cactus Jack. You know, he was in the. What's the, the execution match where it's like they killed they killed the That's nah,
4: cage. Yeah,
3: they they killed Abdullah the Butcher, you know. <laughs> He's done the tournaments of death in uh, Japan. in Japan and you know, so many people, deathmatch wrestlers, have listed Mick Foley as an influence. It all starts with the fact that WWE tends to be, maybe not in twenty years, but you know, for just about every generation of wrestling fan. WWE is the wrestling that people are first exposed to mm-hmm. Mick Foley is someone if you're watching the Attitude Era be it Dude love the character's Jack, Mick Foley Commissioner or Mankind is someone you were exposed to and he basically just opens a gateway to just so many be it you know when WCW were trying to be a bit more risky in the early 90s or be it the insane stuff in and the likes of uh, Japan and then obviously from that gate see who he's influenced you then end up going to CZW, you end up going to the likes of Jimmy Havoc and Mikey Whitblash, who are deathmatch wrestlers as well. And it just, although he would say his influence is Terry Funk, and although Terry Funk is possibly who they would all put the deathmatch thing down to, Mick Foley is more of the mainstream guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he is Mavic. Yeah, you mentioned Mick Foley
2: would be kind of shocking because mm. he has an all his first autobiography, the back isn't a description of the book. It's just a picture of him, <laughs> with all, and pictures of all the different like uh, injuries that he's had all year, like he would lost the ear, the amount of concussions, broken bones he went through. And McFoley was always a different type of wrestler. He was more of a brawl. Like you made him stand out. as Cactus Jack in WCW, and he got turned with the same brush that a lot of deathmatch wrestlers get turned with, that like uh, Ric Flair. And his autobiography said that McFoley is nothing more than a glorified stuntman. He'd become becomes the Dates of a deathmatch wrestler get to that point where a lot of people think if you just do this because this is all you're good for you're not going to get to the pinnacle
3: of wrestling yeah and obviously the fact that he's been able to give guys like The Undertaker guys like The Rock guys like Stone Cold a bit of an edge to them in the corporate world of WWE mm-hmm. and then you know, you know inspire basically a genre in North America of just what he was doing it, it's it's hard not to repeat yourself over and over. What Mick Foley means yeah. to this genre of wrestling, gateway to it for me to mainstream fans, and you know the fact that he's you know been through multiple surgeries to start to feel normal again, and mm-hmm. his fifties, just shows how much he's put into wrestling.
4: Uh, Stephen, who's your pick? Uh, I'm probably going to go a bit obvious on this one, but I'm going to go for the homicidal, suicidal one <laughs> himself. Yes, I'm going for Sabu, a guy who we spoke about earlier on the show was born into deathmatch wrestling obviously yeah. he was the nef- nephew of the sheep. Yeah Yeah, I can remember nephew nef- son, the nephew <laughs> uh, and just the stuff he did I mean, he was a guy who innovated the table spots in the ways you know he would pretty much throw them I mean, throw himself into <laughs> them do anything he could with a, with a table throw himself into guardrails Crazy man He was an, He's an absolute nutter oh, of a please. man he's a, he's a guy like Ross kind of spoke about Mick Foley being a guy who helped kind of def- Defy the like, different Wrestling and films In WWE But look at Sabu Sabu was just a guy Who was an absolute nut <laughs> Who would go to extreme lengths To entertain crowds By making him Put himself through pain I mentioned earlier on About the match he had With Terry Funk In ECW The barbed wire rope match yeah. The match that Paul Heyman Dubbed as being Too much for ECW That ECW never ran A match like that again Now ECW A some of the matches they put on over that spell of time they were there to have one particular match that was so extreme just because of what Sabu actually did in it it's absolutely unbelievable the injuries he's picked up in his career as oh well yeah. I think he's broke his neck twice or something like that he's broke yeah. his back uh, but one of my favourite memories of actually a non-WWE show was TNA did the show Turning Point oh, another one in 2005 about. where he opened the show against Abyss in a barbed wire rope match was it. If you look at one particular point in TNA that helped put over Abyss mm-hmm. as an absolute monster, that was the moment to me that kind of solidified him as this is our monster because he's just went out there and had this absolute gory match with Sabu, an absolute nutcase that he is. You know, it's just like he's maybe not the finest technical wrestler you'll ever see, he's not a guy who's going to go out there and have a five star match, even though I quite liked his match with Rey Mysterio. <laughs> and the second one they that I think that, that was the only good thing he did and he's WWE C W run. You didn't like his match with John Cena at Vengeance? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> I don't think I like much John Cena at that particular point in time. But if you look at personifying Deathmatch wrestlers it's not about being a good wrestler at, the, at times, it's actually personifying the genre. If you look at technical wrestlers and the type, of type of stuff, we'll look at a lot of the guys that are wrestling in New Japan, the likes of, you know, or Osprey and that type of stuff, but in terms of a guy who just personifies going out there putting your body on the line and literally using anything you can to hurt your opponent and yourself (laughs) Sabu personifies it yeah I mean the fact that he I think he's still even going today he's still taking bookings he's booked a TNT yeah and he's he's been in
2: ICW in the last couple of years like you see the amount of scars over the years he's now he wears he's got he wears them as kind of a badge of honour of the stuff he's done for Deathmatch Wrestling you mentioned that match with uh, Abyss I don't think Abyss gets enough credit for the match hardcore stuff he's done or really. you like it seems for a while on TNA every time they put up a new weird game match let's get a bit in let's not talk Healed about it. that one he
4: had with Sting no let's not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> he
2: was in, you know those same matches like the,
4: the match of 10,000 tacks or whatever it was see if, see if you look at that Turning Point show You had a match later on the night I believe it was Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles mm-hmm. I think you had the uh, Christian K, Christian was challenging for the title at that particular point no I well. think it would be a couple months later was it a couple of months later there was a match on the main event I can't remember exactly was the one I remember there was the Joe AJ Styles match which was on second to last and the fact that to me the thing that's remembered most about that pay per view is that absolute match They was a match a couple of months before as well which was not as I was on the same show as that amazing triple threat for the X Division yeah. Championship which was easily forgotten about but this one's a standout he is the if you look at ECW guys who are actual pure ECW mm-hmm. you've got Sabu Sandman Tommy Dreamer in terms of guys who are absolute hardcore
1: yeah, in terms we, of that company
2: When you talk about Isabu he's one of the guys you can't not talk about uh, Grant I'm very interested to see
1: who <laughs>
0: your pick is So I'm like most of my tastes going east for mine I'm going with the crazy monkey Jun Kasai right. He embodies Japanese deathmatch wrestling Absolute crazy man Probably got probably the only person I've seen that could rival Sabu for the amount of scars. His body looks like it's made of leather now. It's got <laughs> that many. He's been through so many injuries. If you've watched the wrestlers. Deathmatch
3: episode Is that That's who that was The cri- yeah. crazy monkey right Cra- uh, Yeah I watched this I, did, I, did, I thought his ring name Was just crazy monkey And he mm-hmm. took the horrific spot Where he literally The guy
0: comes over The top of a ladder Does a flip And pretty much curb stomps Onto him a the board of razor blades mm. Oh is that him Face first Oh man that's nasty <laughs> And it was absolutely Horrific And he's been through so much And he's it's About 42 43 now mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I've go like, well YouTube a lot of matches I don't even know what half the stuff being said is Because it's not even got subtitles for English I just watch it and it's, it's like a personification of Like, it's like a horror movie made real It's like extreme cinema It's, it is not for everyone It's, it's definitely for the, not for the faint of heart But <laughs> he personifies the style down, right down to his look With the contact lens to give him the crazy eye and things like that He's a man, I look at him and I'm like, he scares me a little bit I wouldn't fight <laughs> him
2: The amount of scars he said that guy's got is almost sickening. Like the cuts in his head from these razor boards And there was a clip in that wrestling documentary Where you see his wife prepared one of these razor board things for him to use in a match And like knowing that you're getting your head cut into these uh, razor boards that your wife helped put together It's just and the weirdest thing Even what he said when they
0: asked him It's like how do you feel about you inspiring all these deathmatch wrestlers? And he Instead of being Honoured and things like that He goes That's another enemy No one will beat Jun Kasai
2: They will all die It's like Whoa what? Whoa man One of the weird things (laughs) He said about Getting into deathmatch wrestling Is he said He used to watch wrestling With his father Mm -hmm. His father would always say Oh that move Wouldn't hurt that Wouldn't do anything So he wanted a style of wrestling That his dad couldn't make Those comments about Like Hey my dad's Like wrestling before But I'm not Putting myself In places That's
3: a bit of Trauma there That's a That's that daddy didn't love me sort of thing, isn't it? I think you were talking about his wife. I
1: didn't.
4: I think you were saying about his wife making the thing for him. I don't know why, that kind of reminds me of when. um before the Undertaker Yokozuna casket match And Undertaker <laughs> was making the casket And he kind of finished it at Christmas time Just went Merry Christmas Yokozuna <laughs> <laughs> Put
0: the wreath on it Stephen you need to worry if, Like you come home You know as Laura's preparing like planks of wood And there's like
4: bits of glass or something like that You get worried Stephen what, what are you doing Laura? I'm sharpening the knives Whoa! <laughs> it right. goes to show how mental uh, Kasai is and that he's done
2: multiple spots with those Razor boards, and yet Mickey Whiplash said that he pitched the idea of the same spot with Jimmy Havoc a former tournament death winner when he came over to you And that was the one thing Jimmy Havoc Had to say no to just <laughs> to show There's nothing that He will not do
4: Yeah, And that is something That Jimmy Havoc will
2: say no to yeah, no. <laughs> It's good to win Certain
3: deathmatch can find Their limits sooner you know. I mean, Being knifed I know. Uh, that, that tends to be My limits on a lot of things To be honest with you, Jimmy <laughs> you know, Living Damon. in Glasgow Jimmy Havoc Who was
4: doing A year later Did a promo cover than bud and gone I'm sorry if I pass out During this <laughs> <laughs> That was a brutal thing To witness life. <laughs> Uh, my pick for Death
2: Mad Wrestler uh, icon is, yeah, I think an obvious one. We've talked about him before, but I think you can't not mention him, and I'm going to say Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. Because, for all the things, because he helped influence people who would then go on and innovate in Japan, and so his influence has felt over there, and he would compete in those style of matches. And then it's the fact that he is a second generation wrestler. He was a former NWA champion. He's competed in five star matches against the likes of Ric Flair. And, yeah, in his late 30s like late 40s, I think it was, he decided to like, completely change his style. He's like, completely changed his style and become this crazy brawler. He had this whole thing where, like with Jerry Lawler or something like that, what were I mean, were In Kayfabe, he took his eye out with like a spike or something like that. So for years, he went around with an eye patch on. And like the fact that he was still going around, even in his late like, 50s, when he should have probably retired long before he was competing in ECW. And, uh, there's a great clip in Beyond the Mat before the, the ECW's first ever pay-per-view barely Eagle, where he wins the title and wrestles twice in the one night pretty much all like, the cartilage is gone from one of his knees and needs a new knee and he says to the doctor will I be if I don't get it will I be in considerable pain and the guy goes you should be in considerable pain now it's like how
4: are you wrestling <laughs> with no cartilage you need a knee replacement and you're still wrestling he's a, he is an absolute crazy man I think Anybody who retired as much as he as did And continuously come back And come <laughs> back And come back To put over Norman Smiley On WCW television <laughs> Norman Smiley's gonna be my viscera <laughs> <laughs> Going
3: forward To you know, Norman coming soon To that, season 5
4: that was, that was one of my first Actual exposures At Terry Funk When he had that one He, were just, he was just He just looked at him going He does not look like a wrestler <laughs> and He the, If you're not if the reason
2: I said don't make him an icon, he should, he should be an icon for this one reason and that he had a match and Thunder I think it was with Chris Candido at his ranch and they fought over to the horse where the horses were being kept and the horse gets spooked because Terry Funk pile drives Candido next to the horse and the horse kicks Terry Funk in the arm and just fuck you horse. <laughs> 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 it's well, uh, I
3: have to to go, I've heard of a mule kick before, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's um, there's a lot to be said for risking your life on thunder when Kevin Ash and the likes of Hulk Hogan wouldn't, you know, even show up for a match because they weren't contracted to do so. But um, a lot of the stuff Terry Funk started doing, like and reinventing himself, <laughs> was a case of like he has been in five star matches, he has been N.W.E. champion. You know, he's the son of Dory Funk and it's sort of stepping out of that shadow because his dad is still you know, highly regarded as one of the legends of wrestling it's stepping out of that shadow and just making your own legacy and making it something so violent and so over the top that no one will be able to avoid it you know we talked about how WWE and AEW to an extent is sort of tame when it comes to this wrestling the fact that these promotions have this style of wrestling is just a testament to the fact that Terry Funk sort of brought this style of wrestling to the mainstream.
2: Yeah, definitely. And like, this is just the tip of the iceberg when we talk about great deathmatch wrestlers. I mean, we, we have you mentioned Jimmy Havoc, John Moxley, I think, could be considered a more like icon of deathmatch wrestling than that. He did the season stuff and went on to become WWE champion, left, and is still doing that style of match. And you got like, in the UK, Jack Chester and Mikey Whiplash the stuff they've done I think you've also been considered icons yeah no, definitely
4: absolutely. I'd say yeah. definitely you could chuck in some guys are coming into it now um, Paul Robinson's a great deathmatch wrestler yeah not Drew Parker somebody Drew Parker's a great one You know, there's so many guys who are capable of it and yeah you could probably be here all day listening to some of the ones you talk about historical guys as well like a guy Vamp- Vampiro did a lot of great deathmatch stuff as well at one mm. point in time there's yeah. so, so many such a big genre.
2: Yeah, we've got Ricky Shane Page as well. Who we've seen in nice Tim to a extent, he still has like a barbed wire bat. While he's in, one of the major promotions when he won the Impact Championship, and mm-hmm. he's like carried that promotion for a while. Mm-hmm. As one of the top guys, you've got Nick Gage as well, who mm-hmm. is going against Paul
0: Robinson for progress in Tampa. Jesus. That is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Nick Cage
2: who nearly killed David Arquette last year. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Can we, can
4: we put David Arquette in
1: this list. But <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: for, for having the goal to like like he's was married to uh, Courtney Cox he's done all these movies, he's got money and obviously people slag him for killing WCW he didn't have to come back to wrestling but the fact he chose
4: to and one of the first matches he was like I'm going to fight this deathmatch wrestler he sent a tweet out the other day I think somebody was slagging him for something about something to do with money and he goes I've got friends money bitch
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know man the financial hit your Rumble he's still living off that to this day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anybody else that we could mention that we haven't mentioned already? We could talk about Japan guys a lot. Yeah. I could be here all day.
0: Whole <laughs> <list of laughs> I could just of keep Japan. going through a whole list of Japan guys. And even even like, in, in the UK as so, well, uh, underrated Spike Trevet.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm a huge proponent for him.
4: Plus, the heat that he would bring for a death match up here. <laughs> I think Mikey Whitlash gave him a lot of praise after that TNT DOA uh, tournament. He did. Which is high praise given Mikey Whitlash was the previous champion at that point. So it just shows what they can do and Me say, you wouldn't class him There's a lot of guys The thing about deathmatch wrestling It's not just All these guys who are typical of it You'll sometimes get a guy like We talked about Kenny Omega Who can get chucked in there I think it was um, One of your favourites Scott and as as Swerve Scott yeah. Shane Strickland Who came out and said He did a couple of them And he just it's Cage of death Of yeah. all things Cage well, of death People did not expect him To do it So when he kind of starts When they kind of start Doing that type of stuff In deathmatches It's surprising Stevie Boy mm-hmm. Obviously the king of insanity was not a deathmatch wrestler went and did that deathmatch with the likes of uh, With Havoc Whiplash and even Renfrew was a bit of a deathmatch wrestler at that point in time and he was the kind of standout
2: yeah and we talked about how the development of women's wrestling is the fact that women are getting to compete in these deathmatch mm-hmm. still if we had uh, I think my favourite match of Fear and Lone 11 was the Queen of Insanity match between Viper and killer that harrowing spot at the end where uh, Kaeli's doing the crossface with the barbed wire right around Viper's mouth at the end <laughs> I know like it's quite unsettling the fact that like, the women are getting to this point where they can do hardcore style matches and talk about doing it all women trying to do it. I think that would be really innovative, innovative because it's again something we haven't seen yet in wrestling. It's another step forward in women's wrestling.
3: Can I throw a WWE guy in there? Someone who can be used, who's a great wrestler but can do a very good like death style match. Mm-hmm. Randy Orton. Go back to 2004, his match with Mick Foley at Backlash he is he, that's when people thought Randy Orton arrived you know a lot of a lot of people this was the start of the whole internet message world yeah. things a lot of people weren't sold on Randy Orton you know Batista had the look and you know was teaming with Ric Flair Randy Orton had been given the Intercontinental title they thought he was just you know Triple H's lackey you know he's he's a, he's a Vince guy and then he goes out there and this is a month after he beats Mick Foley and The Rock in the same night he goes out there he gets the barbed wire but Aye. he gets the thumbtacks I believe they Did not set the bat On fire yeah. They were Waving it at him And you know He he gets a few graces For that You know He's someone who When it comes time To do that style of match He's not afraid to Throw himself right in there. Right. And the same can be said For the likes of You know Edge
4: mm-hmm. yeah. Edge with Mick Foley at Wrestlemania mm-hmm. but great, great match for that one Especially that one Spot alone With the final yeah. table That's another reason why It was good to mention Mick Foley Because he's also used
2: A style match To make stars And like I always, I always remember the face on Randy Jordan when he goes for the RKO and gets on the attacks, gets shoved off and lands back first in the attacks and the look of like sheer pain on his face he right. sells it like really well and all about Shane Strickland, I remember he was his, match, his cage of death was capturing that Vice documentary The Wrestlers, the episode on deathmatch wrestling and he was asked like, why are you doing this? You're one of the top, touted uh, indie wrestlers in the world, he, why are you doing this? he went, because no one expects me to and if anything, it made him look more like a well-rounded wrestler. He was willing to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's another uh, Deathmatch wrestler, Matt Tremont, who was on it saying like the idea of Deathmatch wrestling is. He said, "Yeah, there are guys who go out there and just hit each other with zero psychology, but there's a difference between them and good Deathmatch wrestling. Mm-hmm. There are guys who can tell a story and have great psychology all the while doing these kind of spots."
3: Yeah, like good Deathmatch wrestling and bad Deathmatch wrestling can just basically be it's a case of if it's good and it tells a story the guy continues to make traction and continues to, you know, get bookings and what have you. If it's not good deathmatch wrestling, the guy is, you know, rightly slated, and they go back to doing backyard wrestling and, much, you know, yeah. crappy small promotions, you know what I mean?
2: Aye. Yeah, that's. and we talked about guys like McFoley and Ambrose who did that, and then went on a that's the difference between guys who can do good deathmatch wrestling, and mm. this kind of takes us into our last big point and is that is there a place for deathmatch wrestling? And I think uh, we'd probably say there is, because we talked quite fairly about it, and I think the good thing about it is that you need different
4: styles of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Even in Deathmatch Potions, they don't do all the same thing. I think, yeah. I think, I think the thing with it is you've kind of... The big issue with Deathmatch wrestling company is we're in an age of very very PC culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the same things I'm going to get... So there's a lot more spin in terms of like health and safety and that type of stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff that that ECW did in the early days, I don't think you would maybe get away with as much in the current, the current climate. So I think as long... Is we've seen in the past, we've been at death, we've watched death matches where they've done some stuff, and you're like, Well, that's quite risky in terms of like the things with the glass. Very much cracked a good glass in his hair that particular night when the glass went oh flying. My God. So <laughs> I feel as long as they have some sort of respect for the fans in terms of that and don't cause a lot of harm to them, they're still death match wrestling in the ring style has definitely got its place. Yeah, I think it's
2: still very much an underground thing. I think they said in one of the best documentaries about CZW is that the reason they held it in Delaware which wouldn't scream uh, a a city for wrestling like it's like I think of Delaware I think of the bit in Wien's World that hi I'm in Delaware (laughs) they said that it's because that's one of the few states that still permits deathmatch wrestling it was a big thing holding back UFC for getting big for a while and that certain states wouldn't permit MMA Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think that is part of the reason why. I Deathmatch wrestling hasn't become all that much like a mainstream thing Mm -hmm. over the years, even though it remains popular to this
3: day. To me, it's like every other style of wrestling. It does have its place, but obviously, it's a case of, you know, comedy wrestling. Santino in the Royal Rumble and Santino in the Elimination Chamber coming oh so close and getting your hopes up has a place. The old day and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows going about wrestling doctors there's not a place in wrestling as we (laughs) mentioned before good deathmatch wrestling sees guys like Dean Ambrose come up the card and become champions in WWE and AEW bad deathmatch wrestling sees these guys going back to doing backyard wrestling so like everything it has its place I think but it was was actually an interview with Mark Dallas who said he loves a deathmatch he loves a hardcore match he loves you know all these stipulation matches if he goes to a show and it's just all death matches. He goes by the fourth match, you're bored, mm-hmm. and it goes to the break, and you're just kind of like, do I want to come back after an mission to watch yeah. another four death matches? Cause you've you've been desensitised to it. And to me, it's something that should keep things varied. Should something something that should be used to end a feud, and it should also only be used if it's good death match wrestling. To me personally.
0: I don't know who Dean Ambrose is that that name is dead to me (laughs) (laughs) but yeah to me me, deathmatch wrestling 100% has a place Dallas's point about getting tired of watching four deathmatch and our four deathmatch, that's where I love Tournament of Death because, or even the DLA tournament was a great way of doing it because to keep it fresh you start your stipulations light you keep it to a a single stipulation like here's a thumbtack match, here's a light tube match, next round introduce something extra and then your final match that's where you just throw the entire tool cupboard, garden shed, whatever you gun found on a
3: pole ki- match.
0: <laughs> gun it, whatever you found, on, whatever you found under the kitchen sink, and that everything just goes into one. And that's where a death match, like full deathmatch show, can be exhausting. Yeah, it needs to have the right stories. And I feel that corporate wrestling sometimes they actually do the right thing by building your death match as your last match in the feud. Mm. But sometimes you just. Don't don't shoot your load too early. You know, take, take your time with it.
2: Yeah, at the, the day, story. at the end of the day, it's a genre, and it'll depend what you want. Whatever it is in your it depends on your mood of that day. Like sometimes you want to see a good comedy match, sometimes you want to see a death match, sometimes you want to see like a technicals, actually, Virginia still match. It's like you're you're tasting movies. It'll depend what genre you're favorite. Depending on what you're in the mood for at the time. Like if you're in the mood to watch a comedy or to watch an action film. So in that way, it does have its place. And I think. Even though I said it's still very underground, I think it's in the right place right now. for like Caesar because it's not too mainstream, but it's also in a place where it's seen by enough people that people mm-hmm. are able to like compete there and go on to major companies. It's, it's a cult, it's a
0: cult following type idea. That's yeah, yeah. Of all, and and that's what ECW did so well. It shows you how it's doing well enough because the fact that you've got TNT later this year have GCW over, so it's three shows back to back. Night one's TNT, night two is GCW, the night three is TNT vs GCW. Which is almost like a deathmatch super show to an
2: extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do because there's always room for new things in wrestling. The worst thing to happen in wrestling is seeing the same thing and not having new mm-hmm. stuff because it's it's always where you can see a new matchup announced or a new match stipulation announced because sometimes it's hard to get promotions <coughs> doing variations on stuff you've already seen because it seems at the moment most of the best commit matches have kind of already been thought of.
3: Yeah, like, people kind of get sick through, you and a money in the bank like mm. we've, we've not really had a long holding briefcase guy since uh, Seth Rollins you know, the other guys have either cashed in on the night or cashed in the next month or cashed in and lost mm-hmm. and things start to get stale you know, although I really enjoyed the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view Something that hit me about how this match that I still feel is in its infancy—it's only been around since 2002. I believe it was the first match uh, elimination chamber match, and I said, "For only the 25th time, and you're like, right, 25 times in 18 years is know. actually quite a lot." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, and you start to feel—even though that tag match was good, even though I enjoyed Shayna's dominance in the elimination chamber match—it does feel like we have seen. The Elimination Chamber
0: And there's even one stipulation I forgot to mention earlier That's came back to mind Because I've seen it happen in America But not over here And I pray for it Lego Death Match. Oh I've heard oh, of this Oh that's, that's wrong That's sick
4: There was one match <laughs> There was one match on my list I think it was uh, Was it th- not Thumbtack balloons <laughs> Thumbtack balloons That sounds
1: horrific That's like something
4: right. Joker would Barefoot
0: thumbtack match Oh jeez oh, we have seen plenty of that In fact that happened with Karen Noir there A month at Progress Chris Brooks
3: Put <laughs> the bare feet on the Sorry, I misheard you there and I thought you said Karen Dunbar. <laughs> Karen Dunbar, well known. Karen Dunbar's known. in a deathmatch. R-
0: well well death known deathmatch death match. specialist. Well, that's quite enough of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
3: tell you, you, brought out that flaming table, my heart was like that. <laughs> but the thing with the Lego is something I didn't
2: get to when we talked about Jimmy Harding, and that he's known for those paper cuts. Oh. And that, I think a lot of people who have had Lego, or if they have a kid who has Lego, some, most people have stepped on Lego and know how unfortunate that is. I'd rather step in a landmine than step
0: in a Lego again. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: Lego. Well, no, seriously, um, there is a point because like, I've s- spoken to Jam O'Malley in the past, um, like, obviously I had the opportunities through Jam, um, and he's had a fair few death patches himself, and he actually sent to me He prefers Thumbtacks to Lego. (laughs) And the reason is, is because Thumbtacks, they go straight in and that's you. Lego, they don't go straight in. They streak down and they cut you in so many different places. So that's why he prefers Thumbtacks to Lego. Lego, children's talk. I think you get a bigger
2: reaction for pulling out a bag. Most people will think Thumbtack. I've seen bigger reactions for when Lego gets pulled out and people, because people know what that feels like also seen clips from PWG Where they get in the bag and, Oh it's going to be Just pull out gummy bears People still chant you sick credo, credo did it with skittles One time with skittles <laughs> <laughs> Any confectionery we'll do As long as it's not Lego Anything but Lego
3: Oh no 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 I mean could you imagine Like a sherbet lemon I mean those <laughs> things are brutal Or bonbons <laughs> Bon they break your back
1: Have we seen that when well, For me Hazelnuts <laughs> I'm just
0: saying, I'm just thinking just stop it. Havoc in the paper cuts But then adding the salt And it's between the toes Oh Yes Yeah, that yeah. And then the lime in the air. The wee bit of lime Ooh, Like a some,
3: slammer There <laughs> is something to be said Look what Scott says Like people know what it's like To step in a Lego In a paper cut That's why Like when you get these big like Oh 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 Like these big whiz When people go through You know Flaming tables Or glass panes Because no You don't That's not an everyday thing Whereas like If you work in an office You're in danger everyday Of getting a paper cut If you have A child of a certain age You're in danger everyday Of stepping on a Lego And it's It's It is An everyday pain That we have all experienced oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: Definitely As much as it, it would be People to also like Step on a, a thumbtick It's very rare To have like being in a position where you you have a thumbtack lying around to be stepped on, mm-hmm. it, as much as you know it would be painful. So again, that it's more likely to have stepped on a Lego. So you believe in that. And like I said, the that they're able to use stuff like that, there's still room for innovation in the world of death matches. And places like DCW, not just death matches, but just like they have like, weird style of matches just in general. And like whenever main Weekend comes around, they've got these weird off-brand shows, like Orange Cassidy is doing something somewhere. We well, had, well, had a one minute time limit match between the best friends for <laughs> Josh Barnett's uh, doing blood sport, which is associated with that, where it's basically wrestling mixed with shoot style wrestling. Which, so, like I said, there's always room for something new. But uh, um, we're going to wrap it up there. I want to thank my panel so far, and uh, I want to thank I everybody go around and plug what they've got on Suplex 3 Extra because we've got a boatload of extra content there.
3: Yes, uh, I have. Raw Report with Jack Graham and I have the retro review that's coming back at the end of the month we have a big block of recordings coming up so there's going to be a lot from the summer and fall of 2000 we're seeing the rise of Kurt Angle at the minute and the sort of end of the McMahon Helms the faction thank god (laughs) Uh, so looking forward to covering that
1: yeah
4: Thank you, Stephen. Yes, I have got uh, power trip with yourself, Scott, looking at NWA, and I've also got Indie sausage roll with Grant here. Yeah. name <laughs> and this <laughs> we, our last show we covered was the 16 karat gold tournament, which had took place this past weekend there and went down very well for lots of different reasons. We are planning on doing one for Scrapomania, virus dependent. <laughs> <laughs> so potentially keep an eye out for that or maybe not <laughs> I, mean, I mean
2: if you don't get that I mean CZW's next term of death is the end of May you know so there's a potential episode there there we go they won't, they'll not cancel that <laughs> Dream Tag Team Invitational in April for us as well yeah so if we don't do
0: Scrap of May we'll do
4: one of them Aye. maybe both uh,
0: um, and I've also got East Meets West with you Scott we're on a bit of a a coronavirus-related hiatus, as well. I know it's like really, really
4: scrapping all of our plans right now. Yeah, COVID-19.
3: No, oh, I keep yeah. your hands clean.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Coming
4: soon to Suppli Sweet Extra: The effect of the coronavirus on wrestling. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> we don't, we have no idea what we're going to do for our next episode because the whole New Japan Cup went out the window and shows were cancelled. So we don't know what we're going to do there. Uh, like I said, I'm on a power trip with Steven and Ethiopia with Grant, and also one of the greatest shows yes I have ever done. Saturday draft live with myself and David Campbell, recapping ESA's Arts Fantasy draft. And Grackle, I don't think has any shows so we'll wrap up there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That oh,
1: can't
2: be awesome. has <laughs> got all the good grabs. We said a monthly recap of everything going on in Scottish wrestling. We'll you'll hear a bit of likes of Mikey Whiplash and Jack Deathstone, and many others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's winning a half a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you did, boy. Death match after this. And if you want to see, hear any of those shows, you can subscribe to us on all good Android podcasting and sites Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. We can hear our simply extra feed and our main feed with, where you can hear shows like this. You can hear our back catalogue of interviews. See, when we've got a new interview just coming. Thunder Rosa,
4: or the NWA Women's Champion.
3: Rosa. Rosa, Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs>
3: Brooklyn
2: 99 reference. 99! I'm probably confused. It. And you can keep up to date with everything going on, and if the coronavirus affects any more of our shows, on our social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Soup Free Retreat. Tune in next week where we have the best WrestleMania main events hosted by first-time host Jack Graham. we will be into the, scene. the poultry pumper sitting in the hosting <laughs> chair. Poultry pumper. <laughs> <laughs> that name is sticking. <laughs> but until next <laughs> time, thank you, Matt. Thank, thank you, Ross. Cheers, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Shin. As always, go love yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got a and we'll see you next time. Ladies
4: and gentlemen, Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish, and World Independent Promotions! Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple, and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube! Head over to
1: suplexretweet.com now!